0: Hi, this is Lincoln Howes and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archive.
1: Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast on the internet daring to talk about all of Australian survivor history from 2002 all the way through to 2019. We are up to episode three and a very, very special episode today that we are so excited to bring to you today. It is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to start off by saying that my name is Ben and I still haven't found where Ben Dark is. And my name's Matthew and I'm still looking for Kitty. And although we haven't
2: found either of them yet, there is one man we have found, and that's tonight's
1: guest, none other than Mr Lincoln Howes. Hi guys, how are you? Well, we're we're glad to have you here because, you know, we can't find Ben Dark, we can't find Kitty, but we can find the the man that we need to talk about as we get into uh, the very first season of Australian Survivor, your your good self, the the OG, the the original host, uh, the the man who all welcomed us to to this very show, the Australian version, and uh, here we are, 17 years later, Lincoln, did did you think that you'd be talking about this?
0: (laughs) You guys reminded me of just how many years. Have
1: passed.
0: (laughs) It doesn't seem that long ago. It really doesn't. But um, yes, look in the mirror, you can say certainly tell that um, there's been a passage of time. It was, look, it's still very, very clear in my memory the whole thing. It was it was a great time. It was a great, it was very um new at the time. Very the whole concept of reality television was new. And Survivor was like King of the Beasts. It was the best. Um, and I'd always said, I'd always said that I really would love to work on that show as a producer, because that's what I did. But um, yeah, it was quite unexpected that they got me to actually audition. But I won't go into that whole story. But but yeah, to be a part of something like that and be the first, it was, and yes, there were problems, but, you know, it was, uh, it was um, sort of expedition television.
2: <laughs> when When you did get the nod that you were going to be the host, like how long before the show started like did you know six months prior to it or how long
0: uh i think we were filming in the end of the year so it probably probably getting towards august sort of um time i think i might have first heard about it they were having real trouble they couldn't decide what they wanted they want they didn't want a known entity they didn't want a star uh they were taking the jeff Probst approach by picking somebody who was less known but had done some television And I mean, for me, that that it was a bit of a laugh because they were interviewing, they were auditioning all the stars as well. Um, But um, so I figured, well, yeah, I'll get through the last, you know, maybe half a dozen, and then I'll I'll get the audition tape and show the kids. But um, apart from that, I when it got down to when it got down to uh, final two, people started to look at me strangely and go. Um, you, you've got to make allowance for this might actually happen. Um, so yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I had to go from thinking, well, it's not, not in a million years, to, oh, well, well, I might have to do something in that six weeks that I was going to go on holidays. So it was very unexpected, I think, for me and most of Channel 9 at the time. But, I, again, it was new ground, and survival was, you know, opening new doors.
1: How did that opportunity arise to audition for the host because you mentioned that you were keen to maybe involved as a a producer but but how instead of auditioning to be a producer do they get that realization that hey maybe i could audition for the host instead
0: well it was the head of it, it wasn't my idea at all i mean the head of um channel 9 publicity who came to me kind of and i knew her quite well we we're friends and she came to me moaning that um look we just can't seem to find the right person and <clears throat> Would you and it was her idea. She was pushing me to do it and saying that if we get you on camera, I think maybe they'll see you as in a different light. You know, no one had heard of me, no one, you know, David Lecky, who was head of channel nine at the time, just looked at me and went, Who's he? <laughs> and he's just giving me a job as host. Um so yeah, there was a lot of um to and froing, but um it was really uh, her idea. And then once I did do the audition and and put myself in front of a couple of people, they got onto my side. They could see the, you know, the picture of the, the, you know, you don't need a star, you don't want a star to distract from the stars who are the participants and the stars of the game. You don't want some, you know, you know, amazing, you know. You want someone who can think on their feet and follow the game and be a part of the game but, didn't, but not overwhelm the game was what the
2: thinking was. Can, can you tell us some of the names that uh, you were up against for your competition?
0: Oh, well, I mean everybody' was talking about Jamie Durie. Um I don't know whether he wanted or whether he could do it with, with the other things he was doing, but um oh, everybody. um Ben Dark was certainly uh, had his name in the hat. Um, uh, one of the rain brothers was whoever was on getaway was was mentioned um and apparently it came down to me and Grant Kenny um, was a, um that's what I was, I was told. I mean, yeah, you know, they tell you a lot of things in television. Wow, <laughs> but I was, I was very surprised, I, I, it, and it's um, it sort of like you didn't know what to expect. I suppose it's like the survivors, when they, when they tell they you're going to be on the show, you're not quite sure what to expect. Would this show be a dud? Would it be good? Would it, be, would it take off? Would it suddenly turn me into something that I wasn't before, which was what everyone was telling me? And I kept saying, look, as long as I can go back to my, old, to my job, I did it in the holidays. Um, at Christmas time And as long as I could go back to 60 minutes At the end of it all And do what I was doing before I was happy to do anything But I wasn't putting, pinning any hopes to it Or thinking this was my doorway to stardom It was just going to be a good bunch of
1: fun Because you'd been a journalist For quite some time at that point I mean, you'd won a Logie for your work Sort of, you know, very much heavily involved In that side of things So was it something you had ever considered hosting If it ever got to that point Where it was offered to you?
0: No, this is why it's been such a weird little blimp in my my career. It was never something I aspired to, and it was never something that I um sort of thought. Show business isn't what I do. You know, journalism is what I do. So the whole posting thing is a completely different thing. A, you don't have any say on any decision at all. You're just a meat puppet. <laughs> and B, you um. There's all these things you've got to go to, like the logies and like openings and stand on red carpets, and and that's so not me. So, and yeah, even having a photo taken is a major event for me. So, <laughs> it, the whole thing was quite um, strange. But I look, I got into it. It was fun, and I think the the whole thing about it was I was prepared to go with it as far and as far, you know, as weird as it went, and um, that was. I think that was the best way to approach it because I had no expectations. I had no stardom expectations. I had no, you know, this is all just going to be something that I did in my holidays.
2: Did you have any involvement with the casting at all, like prior to the the show being done? I
0: saw some audition tapes, but only after they'd gone. I only came on board after they'd done all the casting, all the selections, all the psych tests and everything, and was told, these are the Survivors. And, um, and even then, I didn't meet them at all. Um, I met them when they got off the bus. I read all about them. I knew who they were. I knew what they were likely to do, what they were likely to say. But I, um, they hadn't met me. I hadn't met them um, until that day they got off the bus.
1: So are you trying to tell us, Lincoln, uh, in the Surviving Survivor special, that whole sequence of you and Stephen Peters and random woman watching the audition tapes, that was all fake? Are you not telling me that was really you sitting there trying to choose one oh, of the 16 was, contestants?
0: showing me an audition tape of someone who was already cast and then he decided to throw one out and <laughs> pretend to put one in the bin. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so there was a bit of trickery going on there. None of none of that went on on the show, of
1: course. <laughs> mm, no, not at all. No, no. I I love in the um the official guide uh, that they released, uh, which is becoming a real bible for us on this podcast. It's fantastic. I love they've got the section there on yourself, and then they've got sort of a whole series of quotes based on kind of the lead up to you getting there and i love here when it says on you being offered the role that it was a bit of a shock to start with you rang your wife to say that you got it and there was silence she said i'll have to call you back and hung up um was that the reaction you were expecting to get
0: Uh, yeah we were both a bit like that like i mean me making that call was just as odd as her receiving it It, we hadn't factored it in like you know it wasn't supposed to happen so no so there was a lot of there was a lot of adjustment that had to be made and i mean we had many discussions with my wife and i during this how how it because it mounted and mounted and mounted and became bigger and bigger and everyone was talking about it and you know it was suddenly on the cover of women's weekly and weird shit and, and and you know she had to pull me aside one time and said listen is this going to affect everything I mean, are you going to go weird and be you know, girls be a star and why well, be left behind and yeah, it it kind of took us away there for a bit. Into, but as I say, we kept saying, "Yeah, this is just an aberration. We'll go back to normal life after all." And and it didn't rate, And we did. So.
1: <laughs> well, one thing too I love as well is the, the bit here where it explains that you essentially went out and got a shirt from Big W and you basically wore that throughout the entire uh, production. Is that is something you kept after all these years?
0: I oh, still it's still in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah. Um, that that yeah that first publicity shot was me with the. The sleeves, yeah. I bought that big W for the audition, so I could wear something that looked vaguely Survivor. And I tell you, when when we was, you know, shopping for Survivor stuff, they they got it completely wrong. I don't know, they were buying all this stuff from, oh, I don't know, um, maybe from well, from high end sort of, and and the, the stuff I ended up wearing was all from Ben W Kmart, Lowe's, um, yeah, because that's the stuff you wear outside. I don't know. I don't know what they wear these days, but um, yeah, I pretty well. Um, I, I in fact, um, one of the cameramen gave me a shirt. He said, "This is a good colour. <laughs> wear this one." <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't and makeup and hair and uh, uh, wardrobe for the survivor so host in those days was pretty basic.
2: Well, I definitely have to give you credit because I have to say you, you look the part. You look like that if that that you've probably done. Fifty survivors previously, as far as being a competitor, and that you could handle those harsh conditions. You, you definitely looked the part. That, see, see, I did,
0: I did it then. I succeeded. I did my job because <laughs> uh, was, it was all looks. I did look. I, I always thought I would love to be on Survivor. I, I reckon I'd go well. I reckon I can, I can make people like me, and I, and I would have no problem with abandoning someone I had just met six weeks earlier. You know, I, 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 this whole business of bonding so closely that, you know, you're abandoning your best friends, you know, I don't buy into all that. People who have the journey, there's no journey except for the million bucks at or half million dollars at the end of it, really, on that game. And, you know, people who realise that do much better than people who try to, you know, make friendships or even bond with the people they're with. You're better off if you make them think you've bonded and ditch them in the dirt.
2: You mentioned earlier that the first time you saw the the contestants was in that opening scene when the which I gotta say I absolutely loved in that first episode, I know there was a lot of things that went wrong. The one thing I think they nailed was that that whole opening scene with the bus coming in. I think the bus looked awesome, everyone's blindfolded on there. They get out of the bus, you see the contestants. Couple of things, first off, I want to clarify. Kadena buff. Was it yellow or green? Because <laughs> I'll always remember that you said blue tribe over here, green tribe over there. And I'm, and thinking, I'm wearing I'm it sure now, Lincoln, yellow.
1: if you want to look at it closely. It's
2: behind you as well, if you want to look. <laughs> I, 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 I argued with the producers
0: on that, that first day. I, I, it, they, they're clearly yellow. They are Kadena yellow. They, no one could see that as green, but they had decided, I don't know, I thought maybe they'd faded or something because they were no longer green. They were yellow. But yeah, no, they made me say green. I know. I regret that to this day. I should have fought. I should have fought harder, because <laughs> clearly they're yellow. And and that's the thing when you're a host, you you're not the producer. You're, it's not your decision to make. If they say they're yellow, they're yellow. And if they say the, the sky is red, it's red. You know, <laughs> you just you're just a host.
1: But that's crazy to think <laughs> well, because it's it's not like it's something. Like a fact check, like you've got to say how many, you know, rocks are on the ground. This is legitimately something that viewers are seeing with their own eyes. Like, surely that's an aesthetic thing that you have to be like, well, hang on, guys, are you colourblind? What's going on here?
0: Like we should have done a poll to say of you know, <laughs> uh, the crew at least to say, you know, is that red or green? Because I uh, saw yellow or green. Because I swear, most anyone who looks at that, that opening scene and sees me say that must think I'm colourblind. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> But did you know that, that opening scene, and this is another thing Stephen did back in the day, was that I was not I wasn't to have any kind of script in front of me or, or auto prompter or, or auto cue or anything. Um, I had to do I think that, that opening thing goes for about I don't know, five, six minutes maybe, mm-hmm. opening spiel. All off the top of my head. I had to remember all that. No breaks, because it would break the spell. You know, they had to get those reactions first time they had all cameras on it. So we weren't going to do it back again. We, we did it once. We Just once.
1: once. Wow. Well, I, I think the thing that, if, I mean, obviously if you've kept up with a lot of US and Australian Survivor, and particularly with the US one, it's Jeff Probst kind of goes out of his way to stand on a rock or a volcano or hang out of a helicopter and do the whole, like, 39 days, 16 Americans, one Survivor. Like, I'm, I'm disappointed they didn't shove you on, like, the cliff there and sort of do something like that.
0: Yeah, I, that was where I, me- that, I memorized that for the audition. That that means I mean Jeff must know
1: it by heart. Yeah. Hope <laughs> oh, yeah. <so. laughs>
2: and and to be honest, it's something that I guess you look at the, the new version now, because they always shoot at the same location, obviously it's Fiji now, they use Samoa a lot. They they can't do that anymore. That's something I really liked about the early survivors where they were always in a different location. So your opening speech is talking about, you know, the history of the area that they're playing in and and for me that's that's why i fell in love with survivor it's always about okay what new location are they going to and although this season was in australia i know nothing about whaler's way so even just hearing you talk about that it's something that i can even go back now and appreciate which you don't get that in modern day survivor
0: yeah i think that was that was what attracted me at first too to to that the opening the opening show episode of any season of survivor used to be yeah where are they and how they going to get them there. And there was always some weird way they got there and threw them off the boat or they just swim ashore or whatever. And, and yeah, that, that was a whole big, yeah. I, I, look, I, as I say, over the 39 seasons that America's been doing it, they have evolved into the perfect survivor machine. I mean, they've churned them out. And, I mean, those sort of things, I think, just come down to what's, what's the best, yeah, what gets the best results um, economically and also for just the, the ease of the game. And I think they just, they've just slotted into uh, a formula which works. Um, and it does work. Um, but, see, that, that's even that, back in the day, when they were still doing Africa and still exploring and going into Australia and not doing lush tropical locations every year, it was a different game every year. Now, it's not so much where they are, it doesn't really matter. It's it's the challenges, it's the stat, It's the you know, strategic play, it's the players they have involved and what happens out there. So, you know, that's, that, our season was made at a time when location was big. Location was an enormous factor. And Stephen wanted to have real hard survivor. And like I said, I think I might have mentioned to you, Ben, before that I think our guys did it. The hardest of anyone who has ever done Survivor. I mean, they ate flies—ten flies a day. They had they put because they just, there just was so many flies. Like it was—it could be hot some days, but most of the time it was incredibly cold. Um, they were hypothermic at times. I was hypothermic at times. I was hypothermic every tribal council. Um, it, they they ate the most awful food and fish. <laughs> I. It was real survivor stuff, and I think you know Stephen was very, very intent that, 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 that they were going to be survivors out there and At that stage of the game back in back in the day, the st- strategy and and kind of character hadn 't reached where we are today, so location um, you know god had prayed that we 'd be in some tropical place where you could you know, where the girls would take their clothes off and <laughs> and lose lots to weight and go brown and you know, we'd see it all, but no, we were we were in dry as bones on the deck of a ship, of cape on a
1: point, freezing our asses. <laughs> which is, I mean, a lot of the criticisms that have, have followed season one do really lead a lot to that location, and and I mean, we spoke a little bit about that last week around, you know, the disappointment a lot of people had that yeah, it was filming in Australia and it wasn't overseas as well, which has obviously been rectified with every subsequent version of the Australian version since. Do do you feel that had you ended up in Broome, which was very much, I believe, a a location which was very close to being there, or even in Central Australia, another rumoured location, that things would have been different and we wouldn't have obviously had those uh, pretty rubbish conditions you had there at Whaler's Way?
0: I think the trouble with the location there was it just wasn't photogenic. It wasn't pretty to look at. Yes, there were some spectacular cliffs, but once you got away from the cliffs... It looked like crap. I mean, it was brown and ugly and the, the flies were everywhere and they looked ugly and they were all dirty and they, they were filthy. They were absolutely filthy, those people, because they were living in the dirt. It was a, a very – it was not a pretty location. There were some shots you could get you know, from helicopters that looked kind of specky, but I think, it, I think it was one of the major problems with that first episode. It didn't look good. I mean, the, the campsites didn't look good. The people didn't look good. They, they looked like they were homeless or something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of very interesting. Look, but I think the one thing for yourself being very close to a town called Port Lincoln it helped for you, I guess uh being uh connected in that way, but also you you clearly adapted to to Port Lincoln well, Lincoln. Um I was going to queue up some uh, summer nights uh for you to sing along to some karaoke here, uh you know, uh you you enjoyed the karaoke bar there in uh in Port Lincoln it seemed.
0: It was, yeah. I mean, I, I do feel rather guilty about that because as as bad as the survivors had it, we had it quite bloody well. <laughs> we were doing okay at Port Lincoln. I mean, Port Lincoln at that stage was uh, riding on the back of the tuna fish and um, a lot of millionaires per square inch. And um, it was a party town. Um, there were The pubs were going every night, all night. So, um, yeah, I had to be very careful, of course, because I was, um, you know, we were trying to pretend we were a travel show called The Great Beyond, um, and, um, but on the, I think it was the week, very week or the day that I'd been on the cover of woman's day or something, or had been in woman's day, big photo of me. I, there I was doing karaoke at Friday night at the pub. Um, and I think I got, I got in trouble for that. I'm in trouble for having a, for having a haircut in between one, one part of the episode and tribal council. Um, but, um, mostly I kept a fairly low profile, um, in town, but everything was Lincoln. There's there's a shop called Lincoln Lingerie I've got a, a, a photo in front of <laughs> my children. My children came to visit me, and they all thought that I was, that the whole town was named after me.
2: Uh, I did love how the boat um, at Tribal was named the Great Beyond. It was a little bit of a, uh, I guess an in joke. I every time I see it, they in the business. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Every time I see it, I, I have a little laugh because yeah, just seeing the name on the boat.
0: Oh yeah, they had done. Um, they had We had name tags and everything with, um, you know, the cat's going crazy. Um, yeah, we had na- all, all our IDs and stuff were made up with the Great Beyond. Um, it, was, it was, and some of the, I believe, some of the original, like, um, literature or stuff that they were getting people to sign or booking things through agents and things down there was all, had a letterhead and everything. Um, it was quite strange that it, it was half, half, half the people knew the thing as was the Great Beyond. Um, but, yeah. It was, it was a great town in terms, of, in terms of location where you had somewhere where the, the crew could stay and um, go and be with the survivors, you know, in less than 45 minutes or something. It was great. But uh, on screen, I think there, it, there was a big problem. I think the location fought against us. Um, and, yes, it's supposed to be hard. And, yes, back then, I guess they were focusing much more on the, the harshness of the environment. But just in terms of watching it, and I've been watching it the last few days, it's an ugly looking place, you know.
2: It, it was shown on a private property. How, how remote was it?
0: Oh, not very. I mean, it was, I think it's 25,000 acres or something that they own privately. I'm not sure if they still do, but, but um, within that, you know, I could be back in my hotel room 45 minutes after tribal council, I mean, and door to door, unless on dirt roads. So. It was property. It was fenced off. They could fence it off. No one else could come in, and they closed it for the duration of the shoot. Um, it was people's surfers go there, campers go there. It's. Uh, I don't think I'd be going there for my holidays, but um, <laughs> but people do apparently trek around the coastline.
2: Did, did you have any issues with, like, boats trying to come in? Um, we had um, – oh, well, you know we got invaded by Channel 7 at one
0: point. The so helicopter they tonight, I believe.
1: Uh, they, they flew yeah. over, didn't they, to reveal the location? Um, you know,
0: you wonder that they haven't got better stories to do than find out where the opposition is doing their reality show, but um, but yeah, they, it was all espionage. It was weird. Um, Boats—it's um, not so much—you uh, can't really be, get a boat in there anywhere. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the thing. Even in the first episode, you'll notice we say I say that oh, we, you're going to swim out to those boys out there. They end up walking out to the boys because. You can't go that far out there. And there's rocks everywhere. There's sharks everywhere. Like it is the most dangerous place. There's <laughs> bl- there's brown snakes.
2: There's, there's spiders. There's sharks. I mean, you yeah, know, they did survive. <laughs> I, I never. Uh, that's one thing. I'm glad you brought that up. That's one thing I never understood. We. I, I think Katie swam out, and I think it was either Craig or Sylvan. I think was it Craig? Right. Um. um but it seemed pointless. It seemed pointless because they weren't they weren't swimming out to to get one prize. They each had their. It seemed I don't know why they did that. Yeah, there, there,
0: there was yeah. It's a strange. There's a couple of little things like that when you when you you stop when you look back and, and you think, well, why why did they have to go out there and and even no, I don't want to be too critical, of it, but even to the point where why did one go to the water and why why could they only go for water one day and. And get food on the other day. I mean, what what was the point of that, really? And mm. um, I, 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 look, there's many questions I probably should have asked. But um, uh, what 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 happened with the series um, when we shot it was once it started, it was uh, it was like a boulder on a downhill track. It, it wasn't stopping. There were times when I think it perhaps should have stopped and had another look at things. Um, but whether it was scheduling, whether it was um, the budget, whether it was just a very, you know, time imperative that they couldn't go past um, and every extra day cost $10,000 or 20 i am not sure. But we were locked in and it felt like once it was up running, there was no stopping it. And that was, I think, the source of problems to come as well.
1: Was all of that... Stephen Peters was he was he the the driver was there a sign of a crew kind of who was the one leading those decisions that affected it that you're talking about there
0: well Stephen was the man in charge everything went through him um he was he was um the guru he'd done um, he'd done a lot of you know survival research he knew all the rules and um and but what I wasn't privy to, and I guess, um, because I'm not really wasn't really part of the production team, was what it was that that what was our why we couldn't stop, you know. And 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 yes, it might mean the survivors have a day in camp, but um, and I'm not sure how they handle these things these days. If, yes, you have a schedule, of course you do, but if something goes wrong um, and it's for you know, the the sake of the show, kind of depending on it, um, why not stop and and that. Add an extra day to the schedule, or um, you know, swap things around a bit, um, swap the challenges, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, um, uh, it felt like you know we were sticking to a very, very strict um, schedule, and there was no no moving that. And Stephen seemed to be the one who was driving that. Um, there, he was he was basically the man they went to. On, there was two supervising producers who were very, very good, and um, they consulted. Yeah, they could make decisions, but everything in the end, those big kind of things had to go through Stephen. And Stephen had a certain vision, I think, for the, for the program. I mean I, I mean, I can't knock him. He's, um, he's the one who hired me, and he, it was his idea to have someone like me rather than someone like Jamie Drew do the, do the hosting. So some of his ideas were very, very good and very, very um, ahead of their time. And um, I think any, anything on a big show like that, sometimes things go wrong and um, there's some things that are out of your control. And I'm not sure what was and what wasn't out of his control.
1: For your purposes as host for research, did you go over the the couple of US seasons that had aired at that point and and on that as well with rules, were you specifically told that we don't want you to use as many Jeffisms as possible, try and make this your own, put your own stamp on it? Were there things like that as well that were kind of told to Oh yeah, I wasn't
0: allowed to tally the votes. I had to count the votes. And that was because Jeff tallied, I counted. I I wasn't allowed to do that. Hand, hand signal thing. Right. Like a, yeah, I couldn't do that. I just did the drop hand. Um, yeah, there was various things that I wasn't allowed to do that Jeff did, um, just, to, just to make us uh, slightly different. Um, I, I watched, yeah, I watched a lot of Jeff. Um, and what, what, what's interesting, I think, about the hosting role is how it's changed. I mean, Jeff, obviously, as Jeff became more competent in the role, the role became bigger. I mean, they used to do the finale where they brought in Brian Gumble, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, the live finale reunion thing, and Jeff would just come in to read out the winner. Then Jeff took on for, for hosting the whole thing live. Um, during, if you watch the early Survivors, um, he never commented during the – now he does running commentary, um, and so they do on Channel 10. Um, where the host basically is giving you who's in front, who's winning, who's dropped something, who's who's behind, who's hurt. Um, they never had that. You had um, had Kyrins come up and say Tapara's leading, or you know has got two, or you know they put up the score. It's become you might you you would instruct them and tell them no, you have to put that over the top, not down below. But you weren't doing the running commentary like they do now. So Jeff's role kind of changed, but I watched a lot of him. I realised that you know. I think tribal council is your biggest job there. It's and look, a lot of that they'll you know, you've got people in your ear and you'll and you'll have a script beforehand saying and you will watch daily rushes if you have to, to sort of get up to speed on what's been happening in the tribe. And it's pretty easy to see what the main things are. So you're basically you're prodding them there. But there is a bit of, you know, thinking thinking on your feet um if something someone comes up with something. I think much more they um they kind of are uh, leading questions in tribal council. They'll become absolutely normal. Whereas we were much more told to skate around it. We weren't, you know, I was supposed to not know what happened. Basically. I was supposed to, supposed to pretend that, oh, has there been any alliances formed? No, called, well, we're no, <laughs> to know, you know, got about bad Jeff. Um But, uh, but it was, as if I hadn't been watching things, and I had, you know, I was just this off, you know, person to the side who was asking questions about what happened that day. Um, the other thing that Stephen didn't want me—he wanted me as an authority figure, very much um, as someone who told them what to do—but wasn't their friend at all. He didn't like me to smile at them. Um, he didn't like me to. Have, I was not to have any contact with them at all, uh, other than our interactions at tribal council and at the challenges. Like, even before, like, if we were just standing around, I couldn't chat.
2: <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that, because one thing I noticed with, you look at the newer versions with with Jonathan Lapalia hosting, he seems to have a lot more, there's a lot more joking, even, like, a, immunity challenges, um, you know, reward challenges. They have a sort of running banter throughout the show. That definitely wasn't on your season. It, it definitely came across that you were like the boss figure and, and you were there to to be you know, like sort of strict rules
0: yeah i, I think that's um and that as again reflects on what was happening with american survival i think that's what jeff was doing at that time i was completely basing my performance on his and Stephen was wanting me to be that authority figure out, yes you're the you're the keeper of the rules if i did not get to the line you tell them what not to do but yeah the, the smiling and joking thing no way I, I, there was i think the, i think the sh- the jokiest we got was when i don't know whether you guys have seen it we went we give hadn't...
2: him a bloody boat back!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I mean, and also I had to I had to take Jane off her plant pontoon and carry her into that's right, you the piggybacked and...
2: her. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Can I just say that was one of the best? That was one of the best episodes of
1: the season. I yeah. love that episode. Can, can yeah, we please? Yeah. Can we please get a give me me boat back here on the show tonight? <laughs> yes. Do you want that now? I would love that right now. <laughs> Give me my boat back. <laughs> brilliant. You're, just, you're, just, you're really having so much fun with that because you would just troll these players by, like, dragging a packet of Lay's chips, and as they bend down, you just go, nah, you're not getting this. Nah, back pack and forth. Get back. Then Rob just pulls it out of the water. <laughs> I know, you
2: know, I, it's something that I, when I watched that episode again, it's something I thought, they they need to bring that back. That was a brilliant little sort of... Um, yeah, challenge where you're sort of coaxing them with these these chocolates, but then you you're there with the the boat and the remote control boats, and then you they go to reach down and you're like too late. And then you-
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and I think I think I I think definitely interaction between the host and the and the place. Well, for the start, you can't avoid it, and funny things happen. And and you know, there's things I wanted to say quite often when um, things happen, but I was you know holding back because of this authority thing. And I think they've realized it over the years that the host they get to know you. They want you to talk. They they're forever they were forever trying to goad you into talking to them or or yeah, you know, you know, having little jokes at you. So it's um I think it helps for the viewers to think that there's something going on between the host and the, the competitors.
1: Which I think we talked a little bit last week about how, you know, you put it as you're sort of saying, you put the context of, of your season into where the US season was at the moment and Jeff Probst himself at that point, again, as you said, hadn't really developed into poking and prodding more. It was just the basic questions, and there was that development. Do you feel had the Channel 9 version continued for more than one season, you were allowed to grow with that development and kind of move in line with the US one, that could have happened? And and then on that level... Do you feel then that your season gets unfairly criticised because people forget about that context in the time frame of Survivor and people are kind of looking at it now more so as to what it's like today and unfairly criticising it because of that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I look at it today, I I'd compare it unfavourably to what is being shot now. Of course. I mean, it was 18 years ago. Even when you watch any program from 18 years ago on television, it's not going to compare favourably to what you see today. I mean, news—the you know, yeah, average news grab used to be 30 seconds long. It's now 10 seconds long. I mean, there are there are times change in television, and a Survivor has changed a lot in the 18 years or whatever since. Um, I think when you do look at it back now, you see that it, 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 you know, the faults were there i also say go back to look at those, some of those early American survivors and see what was happening there. And at the slower pace, the, the different music, the, the, the music and the atmosphere and everything, the drama has been ramped a hell of a lot more than now. It was big back then for the time. But, um, yeah, I think people have to look at um, uh, Australian Survivor 2002 as something that was made at the time. And as you say, I do believe if, if there was ch- a chance at a second series, you would have seen a very different show. I mean, um, you know, I, I do think that we would have, we, we learned a lot when we were doing it. I mean, I learned a lot for sure. I'm sure Stephen did too. I'm sure all the producers did. And, and sure, any show, you know, the second time around, is you're going gonna to improve, you're going to learn from your mistakes. And I think if they had, a, I don't know, back back in the day, you know, actually, we didn't actually rate that badly. People say it was a failure. We never rated less than a million viewers. I mean, you know, people, people would kill them the average million viewers these days. Um, it wasn't uh, the total ratings failure that it's sometimes portrayed as being, uh, but it didn't live up to the enormous expectations that they had after Australian Survivor had yeah, gone through, the uh, American Survivor had gone through the roof. So, um, and yeah, it was unfortunate that it got kicked to the curb so quickly. I think, yeah, you've been three seasons and you'll see a far different show and a vast improvement um, on any background, especially on something like that, on a big scale, large scale production with lots of moving parts and lots of people involved. Um, that takes a little while to get going. I, I take my hat off to Channel 10 for doing it and doing it so well in the first season they, they got to it. I mean, that that looked and sounded and and I maintain to this day, if we had had the music, it would have made a hell of a difference. For some reason, and I'd love for you to ask Charlie Parsons if you're talking to him. Or whoever it was, why, or Burnett, why they refused to give us the music, the theme music, and why Channel 10 is allowed to use it.
1: I did actually ask that to him, ah. and at least at the time of recording this link, and I haven't obviously got that article out yet, and it's sort of leading into mm. hopefully this book project that I'm doing. But yeah. he basically loosely described it, as it came down to rights for things like the logos, the, you know, Outweed, Outplay, Outlast, the music was obviously a lot more expensive back in the day than it is today. And also with things like um, licensing and kind of, uh, you know, selling these out to different countries, it wasn't quite as locked down and as as tightly, you know, organised as it is today. So back then it was still a very new concept kind of formatting out a reality show around the world. So he sort of just alluded to it really came down to a cost thing and that it was just a little bit more there. So I, I think from what he alluded to, clearly Channel 9 attempted to get it, but it was very oh, yeah. expensive.
0: They desperately wanted it. I mean, but we begged to get it. But, um, it's just things like that, uh, that that immediately when people turned it on that first night they didn't hear the music, you know, and they heard this weird sort of, um, sea shanty kind of music, and uh, it's going to put you off straight away. And and that is those kind of things snowballed, I think, in that first episode to leave just the, mm, yeah, I want to like it, I want to like it, but just didn't kind of make it. It's kind of, you know, epitomised by the first fire challenge. I mean, you know, that's just sad to watch.
2: <laughs> Did, was there ever any... Possibility of a second season?
0: I, I never heard talk of it. I never heard talk of it. I think it was a strange um, phenomenon that I went through. in, in I refuse to say journey, but um, where there was a lot of hype at the beginning of the season when you know it was all going to air and I have been uh, doing thousands of interviews and everybody wanted me to go into everything with them, and then uh, and I was getting emails like crazy, and then as the series, the series progressed. People stopped calling <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it just sort of ended and um and all that stuff about you know they said oh, you know we'll be that, now that kind of happened and and I just went back to work at sixty minutes, and it was fine
2: so um, you never got any calls for to host any other shows no no no
0: no no I think I think there was a I, it was like, okay, like, yeah, there was a survivor curse. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, and um, suddenly we're all touched with it. <laughs> and you were the person in the canteen no one sat with. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's a result of overwhelming high expectations. Mm. The hype that was going on, this is what I had to fight against right from the beginning, was the hype that people were talking about before we went to air. And you read all those articles and you read all these things. Yeah, it was going to be the biggest thing. <laughs> And it just
2: wasn't. I made the comment on our last episode that although it didn't have the the best sort of, I guess, rate, well, you said it had all right ratings, but the the perception of the show afterwards sort of dropped and then they didn't have a second season. And I guess for the following five to 10 years, a lot of people would always comment on, you know, it was a bad season. However, I made the comment recently, and I, I stand by it, that I actually think it's a season that it's actually got better with age i think over i think now 17 years later you can because i guess the game of survivor has changed so much you can actually now watch it and appreciate it and respect it for what it actually was at the time and and i think it's actually a gem of a season yeah look i i think going
0: back and watching i did have you know a bad, bad taste in my mouth about it as everyone did i think at the time and i think they um i think what happened was a few early things put them off it. One thing that really hurt it at the time was that American Survivor was supposed to show one of their series, one of their seasons, and we replaced that. And they never got to saw that see, see that season. And this is Die Hard Survivor fans, never got to see that season because we on. So yeah, that was just, um, they didn't think of us for that. Um, you had the Fire Challenge which failed, you had this, the theme is the music wasn't there. And I think about halfway through, people had decided Right it's not as good as the other one I'm, I'm going to stop watching or or, or that's the impression they form and, and a lot of people just didn't want it there to see how the season developed at the end and actually had its best moments so I think that was a shame that you know and that's when you get why when you go back and look at it now you can see that you know it it actually did deliver in the end um and delivered in, in better than some show you know, some other seasons have um much later years so it yeah it I I think it had a slow start (laughs) and and we weren't helped by a few, um, a few production difficulties.
2: It it definitely had a slow start, but an awesome ending, awesome end game. Now you mentioned the fire challenge. Obviously that's in in that first episode where a lot of things, I guess, did go wrong today. If that happened now, there's no way in hell they would show that on TV. They would fix it up. They would reshoot it the next day and you would never know about it. They why didn't they do that? Why did they allow this, this, I guess, error to happen? And then they showed it on the very first episode.
0: I know it's the biggest challenge on your first episode of the biggest show you got to go air going in that year, and you let that happen on it. I I, 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 never got to the bottom of it. I didn't quite understand. I think it, it had to be because of uh, to get in some of the stuff that we maybe had to get in to make do that whole challenge again would have been quite impossible. I, I get that. But they got to a certain point where it got dark, and I've just thrown spears at the at the thing, and it wouldn't light up. God knows why it wasn't soaked in petrol for, for starters. But um, <laughs> but yeah, the, they could have just stopped it there and just you know done it the next night. It would be one more day of a production schedule, and I, I and yeah, everyone would have had to wear the same thing. But yeah, it doesn't. TV shows do that all the time, oh. <laughs> and uh, I was I think that was. That must have, I mean, it put me off. It must have put a lot of viewers off that in their first episode of this big, big, big show, you fail at the first challenge? Like, you couldn't get that right?
2: And you blame the wind? <laughs> well, I made the comment to Ben on our last episode. I mean, it, pe- people tune in. Um, you know, they've already seen a few US uh, seasons of Survivor, which were fantastic. Um, they tune in. Obviously, there's the different Survivor music. Um, the, it, straight away, there's um, you know Lucinda's sort of putting a hand up to say she'll go home, votes herself forth. There's the challenge that doesn't work, and then they go back on day three and do just a basic, is it true or false? I oh, mean, that's,
0: that's it, the thing. You replace the fire challenge <laughs> with that.
2: <laughs> it would it would have turned a lot of people off. People would have thought this isn't the real deal. They're taking the piss here, and and stop watching.
0: Absolutely, for sure. I mean. That we must have lost half our viewers that way. And I think we, we kind of, I think that put a lot of people off and it took a lot of people a long time for, to forgive that. I mean, that just gave it the smell of failure. And I think it also just told them that, that we weren't serious about this. We'd done a hokey job. Um, I, I just don't, I wish I knew, and I, I, I shouldn't be going or publicly criticising everyone without knowing all facts about what was behind that decision to not do it. Redo that challenge I mean, because it's screamingly, bleedingly obvious that that you know show that to anyone and they're going to say, "Well, that's not good. Well, you can't do that." What are, you going to, what are you going to fix that up with?
1: Do, do you, you know, feel? I mean, as as the face of the show, obviously, you're talking about kind of you got all those calls, you're doing those interviews and everything at the beginning. I mean, if this show was shown today in the age of social media, podcasts, you know, all this commentary, I mean. It would have been ripped a new one the next day and, and oh, you would have absolutely. just been dragged instant, through the instant. coals.
0: While you were on air you would be you would be torn apart. Yeah. And I, I could sense that I could sense that on the night, like when it was all happening. We were out there for till nine thirty at night or something ridiculous. or well, they were they must have been nearly dying, those they, they were wet, it was freezing and uh, and we kept just making them do it again and again. But then Stephen Connor told me that I had to go up there, do that whole Mia Culpa like we failed. That was me. I I had to tell Australia that we failed and <laughs> we we're gonna do this shit thing tomorrow morning. Um so it was I, I was embarrassed. I mean it was it was it was not what survivors supposed to be. Every, up to that point you had this amazing challenge. It looked fantastic. It looked, it looked gladiatorial. You had fire, you had these people standing in fire, you had people carrying fire. It was it was it looked the way it was supposed to look and then it just Ended in a piddle. It was unfortunate, and I think it did great harm. I think it probably killed the series. Like I think it would be the reason that we didn't have a second
1: season. Well, this might be your chance to make up for that 17 years later because you've got the true or false quiz game the day after. Now, Lincoln, I'm, I'm not going to read out the entire story you told to those contestants, <laughs> but uh, I do have the four questions here. If you you might remember the answers to these 17 years later, like, I'm not sure. I I, I want to test you on these. Are you ready for a bit of a test okay. here on the show?
0: Yes, yes. I, I yep. I'm I'm
1: okay. All right. So again, the, pretend uh, you've heard the story. That- Pre- Pretend you've heard it. You know everything that you've yeah. told these people. Oh, I know the
0: story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. All right, I'll get you to recite it shortly. Ah, uh, so true or false? <laughs> the first white man to see this part of Australia, Whalers Way, was Abel Tasman. False. Correct. It was Medicine. Matthew Flinders. There you Matthew go. Flinders. Good on that. Yeah. True or false? There were two <laughs> Aboriginal tribes that lived here: the Pangala oh. and the Nipo.
0: Um. I think it's false.
1: I think it's Nopi or something. Nipo. No, no. uh, it is. It's, it's Nao. False? Nao is the other one. Pangala's one in there. Look at this. Oh, look at this man. He's, he's, yeah. He remembers. I like this. True or false? <laughs> Up to 90 shipwrecks lay off this coast. Uh, f-
0: false. I think it was 70 or eight less.
1: It was 70. Look at that. I feel like we almost need to give him a bonus point. Well done. Now, at this point... <laughs> well, I <I'm> win here. <laughs> yeah, at this point, of course, you've got to swap out... You're uh, you got to choose each choose a uh, a person from each of the tribe now, it's, and it's all down. It's this is it. So it's it's Lucinda no, verse Jane right now. Uh,
0: choose the, yes, choose the smart one. The, the
1: ones. final one. The whaling station. True or false? The whaling station was in Esperance. Uh, no, it wasn't. It
0: was in. It wasn't. It wasn't in Esperance. It was somewhere else. Somewhere else.
1: Correct. I don't think you specifically said the name. You just said it was over the bay there. I think that's what you said. the The, the tuna boats went to Esperance. I think from memory. So yeah, correct. All four
0: yeah.
2: false. Well done. There you go.
0: Yeah. That's seventeen and, years later. And,
2: and one thing. One, one thing I have to make note for, the, for our listeners: they were the actual questions that got asked on day three for the for the immunity challenge. Yeah. After. After to the win
0: immunity, two immunity. You yeah. can stand there and hold up a troll. Sorry, of, so hang on. Lincoln uh, wins red. immunity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, so... the Most boring history lesson you've ever heard
2: of <laughs> <Wales> Bay. <laughs> it was including television. I have to say, so they 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 that was the second one after the failed first one do you think maybe they could have i mean at the end of the day all the answers were all false (laughs) could could they not could they not have mixed it up a little bit i mean they just stuffed up the challenge the night before and now they're asking a series of questions where all the answers are false
0: i don't think they had much sleep (laughs) (laughs) i I, I don't know i I hate to be critical because it was a very pressure situation but it felt really, really lame, and I think I think it threw the survivors. I really do. I think they, you know, they they were facing, you know, whatever, how many days out there in this pit of horribleness, and you know, they at least thought they were going to, you know, play the game, and suddenly they they faced with a failure of the for fire challenge. Oh, oh and oh, by the way, that was the other
1: lame thing about it. you're both getting fire. Yes, yes. <laughs> After all that effort, here you go. Have some fire <laughs> oh,
2: oh dear well, they were free they looked like they were freezing their arsenal, so they <laughs> oh, probably they, deserved they were, it amazing they were amazing, they were amazing,
0: honestly, we put them through such hell. I do believe they suffered more than any other survivors ever suffered before they are They are troopers, those people, and they and you know they came good and they they went along with all of it uh, well, until they didn't. <laughs> <there was> <laughs> They didn't want to come to tribal council. We'll probably get
1: to that later. <laughs> oh, we definitely will. Trust me, we will. Yeah, you, you mentioned <laughs> tribal council and kind of, you know, you were getting the, some of the footage, getting a bit of an idea. But as a journalist going into that, I mean, that's kind of your element—asking questions, getting information. Uh, did, was that the the favourite part of of hosting? Was tribal council and getting to use those skills?
0: Yeah, I like tribal council. I mean, aside from the fact that I was freezing all the time, but um, because. Look, again, it was unfortunate that, that you know, and this just happens, you know, that Kadena was the one who was coming to buddy one tribe losing all the immunity challenges and then winning reward challenges, but it, it stuffed up the game a bit. And at that point, there hadn't been, I don't think, an American survival where they did use tribal council to, um, Now they, they mucked up the game. They, they threw the rules out and sort of swapped teams or did the, did the merge early or whatever. That hadn't kind of happened, so we were stuck with doing this thing until you know reached a point when we finally did emerge. That Kadena was just going to be picked off, and the last thing you want in Survivor is predictable tribal council. You know that's the last thing you want, and that's what we ended up in with. So it was a, it was a. You know I do feel sorry for the producers who had those responsibilities because you you had to make big decisions. You had to decide how you're going to handle the fact that. Pina kept coming back i, I liked strong Council. i mean I, they that was the one time I did actually get to kind of talk to them and um, and it was and it was it was a a nice little atmosphere there but um i also it was it was kind of very scripted uh, there was not much that went off you know the 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 questions were the questions that the producers wanted because that was what they had you know covered in footage so you know you couldn't go you could not stray too far off off the game plan um I think most of them, most of the guys, were pretty good. Um, you know, considering where they were and what they were coping with, they were still delivering pretty good. You know, as television talent, they were still coming up with the goods and you know doing the right thing. They could have, <laughs> they could have walked at any moment. The way we, the way they were the things they were putting up with.
2: The the third season of the US, uh, it was shot in Africa. That had actually already been filmed and was airing at the time. Your season, they had the first ever twist where they they did change tribes sort of early on. W- was there ever any talk about hey, this our season sort of getting too predictable? Let's change it up because, I mean, they had do- they had just done it in the American season.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, yeah, you're right. I think they were they were looking at it very closely. Um, they didn't, know, but. Stephen was pretty, um, you know, a stickler for the rules. I don't think he agreed with that. Um, that that was, you know, that would be interfering too much in, uh, you know, in the, the the fate of the game. Um, it's it's a hard one. I mean, I I think for, you know, bottom line is you're making a television show and you've got to keep it entertaining and you've got to keep that that sense of of uh, you don't know what's going to happen. The best thing about watching American Survival was. You had no idea because they always send you on a loop with who was going to go that night, and and you know, throw red herrings all over the place. And and we were, I mean, I think less successful at that because there was nowhere to go by the time you, you know, Kadena lost so many challenges. It was a real problem, and and it was a real problem when you had someone like Craig on on to on that Cadena team, who was a great competitor and could have won the whole game if he'd been, you know. He did pretty well, considering he had to win every immunity challenge until the end of the game to survive, and he almost did it. Uh, but uh, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but but uh, I think tribal councils these days much more flexible. I think you can get away with changing the rules and throwing in, um, and, and the competitors will put up with that. I think back in those days, it, it was almost, the feeling was almost that you can't do that to them. They're, they're playing the game one way. They've got all the strategies
2: mapped out. You cannot do that to them, but, but you can. Were you surprised that Kadena was so bad? Because, I mean, look, looking at the, the their ages of their tribe, I mean, after they lost Lucinda, Tim and David, everyone was in their 20s. So The remaining five contestants were all in their 20s. Do you reckon, did that hurt them that they had no leadership and everyone was too scared to maybe, you know, step up? Or, because physically they look like the stronger team.
0: Yeah, I, look, I, we couldn't understand at the time. I, just in terms of the challenges, really, no one's leading in the challenges. Um, um, you, 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 you're all trying your best, and there was no real standout weak links. I mean, aside from when David got crook. and and I know Deb did did, did her ankle. Um, she was she was a good mentally. She was really up there. Um, they had everything going for them. I don't know. Sylvan was a flake. I mean, you know, <laughs> he he. Once he left the car, he was out of there. He, he couldn't give stuff. And I think he was looking for an out from the beginning. I mean, you know, he, was, he was an author. Um, <laughs> he'd written a children's book or something. But, um, but he wasn't your typical uh, strong willed survivor. You know. he, he wasn't strategizing, he wasn't planning. And not many of them were. But, but like you say, it's the challenges that they should have been they, on paper, they should have been winning or they should, they should have been at least competitive. And um, things just went wrong for him. And things just went wrong <laughs> throughout the series, really.
1: Did Did you have pools and kind of like little prediction groups going on in, in production about pre-season, like, oh, this person's going to win? Or did you kind of at least have a bit of whisper, like, oh, I think this person will win, this person will be shit, things like that?
0: Uh, I was actually – my, my pick was dead because I thought she was um, – she was actually an editor who – I, I didn't know her or anything, but – but she just had all the right – she was a good talent because she knew television. She also knew the Survivor very well. She had all the right um, mental moves. Um, she did get injured, but I don't think that would have held her back so much if she, read it, like if she had been on Tapara. But Tapara had Katie and Rob and Shona and all very, very strong people, strong characters. I mean, Rob was Stevens pick right from the beginning. He thought he was going to win right from the start. He's a smart guy and he's a personable guy and, and he's got a bit of athleticism about him. So he's the perfect, he's a perfect candidate. Um, but Craig was equally as all those things on the other side. They, they, they matched up quite well. But when they started knocking him off one by one, it, um, it became an impossibility. And that, I think they let it go too far before they merged, you know, maybe if they hadn't merged it. Yeah, I think they let it go too long for to not to arc up if they had suddenly you know merged when there was two left or something um it would have been too obvious if that that's what you know and and yeah look, as I say, I was not privy to any of those conversations or discussions or decisions, so it's not really fair for me to make comment on them but um as a viewer, I know that that's those are the things that 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 made the series have its ups and downs and 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 it had you know. One too many downs and, and not enough ups.
1: You mentioned Stephen Peters being a bit of a stickler for the rules and kind of sticking to them that. It's it's something that I think a lot of people are aware of. Some people might not be aware of. I mean, it is mentioned in the Surviving Survivor special, a, a slight grab on it. And I know through talking with Katie Gold over on our sister show, The Oz Network, she's kind of revealed a little bit more that there was a bit of a, a mutiny threat right at the end because I believe the plan or the change of plan was to make it a final three rather than a final two. If, if I'd like to get a little bit of elaboration here, if you could tell a little bit what kind of what was going on there and what the idea was. And, and also if that was a thing with Steven, was that always planned that you wanted to maybe change up with final three? Was this a last minute change kind of what actually happened around that?
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't say that I know the innermost details of it. Uh, but, yeah, but that was, that was I do remember I was surprised that Stephen Arthur, being a stickler for the rules all the way through, had suddenly come up with the idea that maybe he'd throw, you know, and I don't know whether he did it just to stir them up, but it certainly did. And what, what it revealed to me, and which I hadn't kind of considered watching Survivor before, was that there comes a point when the the balance of power almost tips to the Survivors they realise how important they are to the show. If, if, if Shane walks off or Rob had walked, just him, there goes your show. And they are in a position of power where they can hold that over them and, and they'll start up for little things. They'll say, okay, well, we'll turn up to tribal council if you give us some more fruit or something. Or you know, they'll, they'll ask for a bit more time to do this or, or some more time off uh, because they realise that when they're getting down to three or four left or five left that you can't make a show without them. So they're they're kind of in control in terms of their actual physical bodies, where they put them. So uh, that was happening a bit. And I think whether it was Stephen wanting to reassert some control back over them um, because they were getting too big for their boots. But, yeah, there was this threat that he would change the rules whereby there'd be four at the final. And, and, and maybe it was just to keep Katie around because Katie was about to go and leave the three of them there. And I, he didn't want to lose Katie's presence. Um, that might have been part of it, but it certainly caused a stir. And it certainly, there was one trial council while I was left standing on the deck for many, many hours, <laughs> or not, about three hours or something, whether we waited wow. for them to turn up. And they were shouting, they were screaming, you could hear it over the hill, <laughs> like yelling between the producers and, and Shona and Rob. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what the contracts are. I sort, of, sort of laid eyes on the contracts that they signed, but I know these days you pretty well sign away your life when you sign up to a reality show. So they um I don't think they could have really had much of land to stand on. Um but they were they were ready to flex their muscles, that's for sure. And China's is very, very um intimidating. I mean, <laughs> when you come up against her. So uh I think she and Stephen facing off would have been quite a sight. I wish I had seen it.
1: It's it's incredible you mentioned before about how there were certain things that you know, were ahead of their time. And and that would have been very ahead of their time if you had have gone straight away with a a final three. I mean, we're all extremely used to having a final three nowadays in in modern Survivor, particularly the US Survivor. It's never happened in Australian Survivor, but it's kind of, we're we're just used to it. So if that had happened, it would have been very ahead of the time. And and there are certainly other elements, particularly with the reunion, that I think were very ahead of its time. I mean, it sort of intersected between Eddie Maguire and the contestants on stage, something which is very familiar now with the US Survivor, but hadn't been done at that point, um, and it's just it's it's a unique way of looking at some of the things that actually it did lay the groundwork. So I, I think that would have been fascinating had the Australian Survivor the very first season, because that would have been groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking in season thirteen when we saw it for the first time in America. This would have been huge in Australian Survivor.
0: Yeah, I, I think there was a feeling that you know we were the second cousin to America, and if America hadn't done it, then we couldn't do it. You know, you kind of, you were kind of waiting for them to take the first steps. Away from the format before you factored with the format, you uh, had any effect on the format? So uh, I think it was a certain element of we were finding our way and we weren't quite prepared to lead the way. But in some other ways, Stephen was very, very um, uh, innovative, and he did he did add things to. I mean, you know, he 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 made the decision very early on that he wanted to focus on the on the hardship and the the, the food and the surviving day to day and the water getting and all that, and and that's what he did. I mean, it wasn't. Um, uh, it, it was just the way he he had he had a vision for the show and he stuck to the vision. So I don't um, fault him for any of that. Um, I think he was faced by some very 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 tough challenges, and I think that he, um, you know, sometimes there, there, it was something beyond his control. But I don't think he would have been afraid to make the tough decisions to you know to and 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 I'll say another series, another season. Who knows?
1: Well, it's, it's it's very again fascinating, kind of in that mold of. You know, sticking to the format of the US one, because again, as we've sort of discussed, that's what people were familiar with. But nowadays, Channel 10 kind of seemingly does the opposite. They go out of their way to to make it so different. You know, they extend it to 50 days. You know, we're having three, four episodes a week introducing twists that have never seen, non-elimination episodes. And that is what a lot of these modern fans love about Australian Survivor is there is that difference. So it's kind of unique with that development that we keep talking about, isn't it? Whereas had this show stuck on air and as you said, a second season could have brought some changes that you know this is where i think season one is very trapped in this weird time period where it's kind of just stained with a negative opinion where you know there's a lot going on here which i think as we're trying to sell on this podcast lincoln where i think it's, it's unfairly tainted
0: yeah i look i i do think it is unfairly judged by programs you know, by by the present day survivor in america and and when what channel 10 has managed to do it but but you couldn't have made those shows as they are made now. Back then, it was they, they didn't exist. Those sort of things didn't exist. The rules existed as they were. You couldn't go outside too much outside the boundary of them. All those innovations have happened gradually. You know, it didn't all happen overnight. And and even to the point where you've got Jeff um, and 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 um, the survivor host being much more interactive and having a bigger role. All that you know came came later. And. Over time, and there's been – people forget there's been 39, 40 seasons of, of you know, American Survivor. That's a long time to evolve into a whole new beast, you know. But having said that, the basic rules – if you stuff up the basic rules, you're going to stuff up the show. There are certain rules you just can't change, and if you change those, then it won't be Survivor. So I only hope they don't go too far.
2: As someone that's played the game in, in the modern era, once you sign that contract – you. There's, there's no guarantees it's going to be a final two or a final three or how long the tribes are going to stay as one or when the merge is going to come or how many times they can even flip the tribes. Once ah, you sign the- it, it it's, it's up to discretion. You don't know what's going to happen. And that's, I mean, obviously it was a lot different back then, but the players that go on it now, they, I mean, they could be a twist in the, in, in the first episode. They could swap it up. You, you just, you go into it not knowing
0: Right, yeah, and, and obviously they write that into the contracts these days. I, I mean, I was just looking le- uh, recently at the um, at the Bible, the production Bible, um, and these were rules that was you know, they were laid down in black and white. And you know, I, I guess we were sticking to them. The contestants were sticking to them, and they, they weren't changing. But these days, if you've got your contract written to say everything can change, then then um, and and I think most reality programs are the same these days. They can basically do whatever they bloody well want. <laughs> with those contestants, um, and you have to sign on the dotted line if you want to be a part of it. So even even that, I think, has changed. the the And the degree that uh, viewers will accept a change to the rules that they've never seen before is much more – they kind of like that these days, you know, whereas back then, Survivor fans were going, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't muck around with the format
1: and nowadays you don't even know what the format is half the time so you know it's, it's kind of that's how it works what what was an average day for, for lincoln house like obviously you know one day you're gonna have a reward challenge another day you've got an immunity another day you've got tribal council so obviously the scheduling's around that but pre any of these filming sections uh you just at the hotel chilling reading your new ideas seeing how you look in that week's edition with your karaoke <laughs> i mean kind of like what, what 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 are you doing in between these moments
0: um i, yeah, I go to the gym. Um, I hang around town. Um, Basically, I'd go out there um, much earlier than I had to be on set, just to um, see what had happened and you know get across and stuff. There was a lot of um, promotional stuff. You, you, you easily had a full day, and because trial Council couldn't start until you know dark, so you, you were there until you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night anyway. So they were they were full days. I wouldn't say that I you know, it was hard work. <laughs> it was it was good work. It was, it was fun. I mean. The whole thing, everybody who worked on Survivor was there because they loved the show, because they wanted to be involved, and they were incredibly enthusiastic about everything they did. So you you were part of a group of people. I think that's the big thing um, about the – even now on Channel 10, I know a couple of guys that worked for that say the same thing, that the group of people out there are having a good time working really hard, working incredibly long hours, but everybody's there for the same reason. And the basic kind of – I don't know – um, that philosophy of survivor, if you like, it permeates everything about the whole thing. You know, it's it's certainly not a crew survivor kind kind of. The whole thing is a big, unwieldy, mad, crazy game, and everyone's playing a part. And I think that is what everyone gets a sense of once they step on that set. And it's um, you, you wouldn't miss it for the world. I mean, I'm i was so glad I was a part of it. I really am. It it was a uh, certainly a higher uh, Certainly a highlight and, and a really, really um, you know, uh, good highlight. Despite all the difficulties and all the, the feedback and, and all that, um, you know, I still have people who will say, uh, you know, you were you, you head host of Survivor and I, I sort of played it down. Yeah, but it was the first one, you know. It was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but, but there's still a sense of, you know, being part of something much bigger than yourself
2: but you've got that iconic voice. And I guess when you talk to people, people must think I've, I've heard that voice before. Where, where do I know that voice from? Yeah.
0: I've had that in lifts and things and people say, I know you, no, you don't. <laughs> but yeah, the, the voice is It was funny at the time because there was that period where you get back home and, you know, you, they've had the, basically the shows going to air and they know that, you know, who's get, gets to the end and, and, you know, I've had people yell out to me in the surf and say, who wins? <laughs> but yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't at the time sort of say anything, of course. It, it was for a show that um, perhaps was seen as not doing well, the people who were watching it were so into it. It was, um, and even my boss at 60 Minutes said at the end of it, he said, I think you got jipped there. I think, I, yeah, because he watched it, you know, strangely enough, he got, he got quite in, into it. And he loved the ending, and he, and, and he said, I don't know why it didn't do too better, you know. Uh, but for the reasons we discussed, I think it just picked up along the way a negative um, negativity about it, and it didn't get, you know, it didn't ever get that Survivor sort of success that, that, that was associated with Survivor at that time. And so everyone just wanted to wash their hands of it and fear it happened. Um, they didn't want Survivor to be tainted with that kind of, you know,
2: failure. Did you know who won, um, obviously, when the votes were cast on the night?
0: No, no. The three people who we knew were Stephen and the two supervising producers, and they were the ones who actually saw the votes on that night and then they were, you know, wrapped up and taken away. I didn't know. I wasn't told until um, until we drew them on the night live at the Crown Casino. Um, I had no suspicions. I, I, I hoped it would be Rob. Um, I mean, Rob was the best player there by far. And it would have been been unfair if he didn't win, but you never can tell.
1: So had the votes sent in the urn been put in a specific order by Stephen and those um, other producers so that you would read them in the way that you did?
0: Yes, yes, yeah. That happened every night. That happened every tribal council. So that, you know, if you had someone who had five votes, then you had someone who had two. Well, you're not going to read five votes first and leave the other two as So... Every night you go down underneath the boat and you put them in the right order and then you make sure you're them out in that order so that you create some tension. Um, and same with the, the final votes. I mean, they he they had them all laid out for me. Um, and I think I must have been told just before I had to do it, who I had to read out last, in case I got it wrong, you know, Academy Awards moment.
1: Which is, which I think what is really raw and great about that reunion as well is, is the way you read them out and I think even, uh, was it Rob or Eddie McGuire? Somebody mentions off air. You can hear them off camera saying like, "Oh, you're shaking or you're you're nervous," and you kind of reply with like, "Oh, it's it's a nervous moment or something like that." So, I mean, <laughs> was that the most nerve wracking moment live on air? Millions yeah. of people watching, revealing yeah, a half so, millionaire. I'm
0: then, yeah, you, know, you had thousands of people there at the It was like I don't do that stuff. Yeah, you know? I was always <laughs> if, I, if I was on air, I was you know reading you know, doing a piece of camera in a, in a news story or a current affairs story. I was wasn't just standing at the Crown Casino live to the nations, you know. I was incredibly nervous. God, I was going to shit myself. terrible.
2: Just for any of our listeners that, uh, that you know, haven't watched the first season or were too young at the time, just to put into perspective, I mean, you look at the Channel 10 se- uh, season, the first in 2016, they didn't even have a reunion show. It was just um, the, the, the votes were read out basically like Borneo, the very first American one. Um, out on the island, and then obviously everyone had to keep it a secret. So this just sort of lets everyone know how big it really was at the time. Like you had a reunion show at the Crown Casino, massive oh, yeah. audience. You know Eddie McGuire like. hosting it this. Was yeah, like.
0: and that's what I loved about the the, the whole um finales with the Americans used to do. You know they they did this whole mock-up where Jeff took the barrel and he got on a boat and then he <laughs> saved across the ocean and then he arrived at the live venue and in the same pants and um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and then bred it out, which was, you know, if I knew it wasn't, that's not how it happened. But, but it just created that sense of an occasion. I mean, and it was. like It, it had, um, uh, you yeah, know, Eddie McGuire was the biggest name in, you know at the time and uh, it was, uh, it, and I think because, it was live, it created more of a sense of nobody knows and this is when you're finding out, you know, that, that you could create that, um, that thing. And we made a big thing of only three people in the world knowing
2: that that was, a, that was the case. So, um, yeah. Just getting back to the actual gameplay, one thing that's always fascinated me, and I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of this and, and hopefully you can sort of shed some light. Now, when the tribes merged, one, they were called Aurora. And it was, the name was just given to him. Normally, uh, you know, they would come up with a name and, uh, yeah, one, can you tell us why the name was just given to him? And one, where were the Aurora buffs?
0: Yeah, I didn't understand that either. The whole thing of having a new tribe was having the, the buff. And I, I don't know. I, I See, these are questions that I never got a chance to ask because, Things moved so fast uh, on that program, and Stephen was always so busy, and I'm just the host. I mean, you don't get to um, question anything when it happens. I I, I don't know. I, Aurora was the name that they'd come up with um, and it, because it had to be a shipwreck name, so they – yeah, but they could have given them a few names to choose from or um, they could have come up with their own. But the, the buff question has always troubled me. I, <laughs> I don't know whether they couldn't afford extra
2: buffs, um, but, but it's it's the only one in history, the only tribe in history that hasn't had a buff. I believe so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was when that happened, when that first happened, when the first when I saw first saw that I was I thought it was so good. I was so impressed that yeah, you know, they actually had a buff already. Uh, you know, a whole new tribe was suddenly created and uh, new capital. Yeah, it. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I can't help you on that one. They
2: they had the one flag, so they obviously had enough budget just for the the grey aurora <laughs> flag. But maybe that did the the budget didn't allow for the the extra buffs. But it was interesting because
0: maybe they spent uh, all their money on buff, money on buffs by by creating a, a dress for um Katie to go to the Logies and
2: uh, yes and buff. yes
1: <laughs> so many she wore. It, it was it, it was
2: interesting because <sighs> I mean I guess what um, Tapara went in with with only three uh, sorry Kadena uh, went in with only three members into the merge so there was always going to be that they're just going to get picked off so I guess having all the same buff colors it kind of it, it gets that feeling as okay we're now one group which is I guess we see where Rob and Shona they they ended up doing some carvings and making an offering to the the final few Kadena members to sort of bring them into the tribe because they're because they still had their separate buffs on. So there was nothing that was, I guess, bringing them in and saying, we're now one. Yeah,
0: and I think that's that's the whole idea of giving them yeah. their own buff as a, as that tribe yeah. and somehow making that a, a, a tribe and then forcing them. Or, you know, perhaps there could have been some other way that they, they, they made them bond. Um, because, in fact, I mean, there was a point in time when Shona and Craig because Craig was a pretty bloody good player. He realised that, you know, he she was the most vulnerable to his... Uh, he was gonna, not going to get anywhere near Katie or <laughs> she was gone, I think. But, um, no, she wasn't gone. But, I mean, the, um, yeah, she, he targeted Shona, um, worked very hard on her, and Shona was going for it, and he she really respected him. So... Well- there was a point when if he had, if he had won he another immunity challenge, things could have been different.
2: Well, she referred to him as the young warrior, which Rob famously sort of mocked in his uh, confessional about, uh, like he, he knew what he knew. Craig was a smart guy and was, I guess, almost grooming Shona to say, you know, this is why I should be here. And, and Shona being the type of personality, I guess he was, she respected what that Craig had that never say die attitude. And, and she felt she did. It came across on the show that she felt sorry for him, that he was on the outs, and they were always, yeah, trying to bring him in or finding a way that we could they could include him.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at Craig, he was a standout, and they they watched him win immunity challenge after immunity challenge when he was up against it, and he'd done it. He'd done it so well, and so you couldn't help but respect him. But Rob knew he had to get rid of him. I mean, he he knew what he was doing, and see. All, all respect to Craig for getting that far into that tribe as he did because he had nothing to go with, nothing. You know, Joel and Matt, they were so tight, that job, and they were they were determined to pick him off one by one, and he almost scraped through. I mean, it's a, a superhuman effort. And, and, you know, Shana, just even the fact that Shana was even entertaining the fact that he was, you know, might make another tribe member, like, he was um, he was good at the game, Craig. There was I reckon. Was, I think I was saying this to you um, another time. But some of those players would hold up, even though the game's changed and there are many different things happen these days that happened back then. There's some players there, like like Craig, like Rob, Katie, and to a degree Shona, who would hold their own amongst any survivor mob, American or Australian or whoever. And this these modern or past. I mean. I wouldn't like to put Shona up against anyone now. It might be <laughs> 80 years later. It might be a bit difficult. But, but um, yeah, I looked there were things about that that program that um, really, like like the way Jane sort of skated in underneath the radar. You know, we had the first Jane the Virgin on television, you know. She was a virgin.
1: Still the youngest, Lincoln, still the youngest player to have ever played Australian Survivor. No one younger I has ever said. played. That's amazing. That's
0: amazing. But, yeah. To be fair, she didn't do much. She was just, <laughs> she was just in
2: the best tribe. Oh, come on. I, th- I think she cooked rice for the first time on day 30
1: or something. So. <laughs> even then, she didn't know what to do, right? She was asking advice and Shona's complaining like, oh, this girl oh, doesn't even know how to cook rice. I, I love that scene when Shona's like,
2: is this is this girl serious? She doesn't know how to cook rice?
0: Well, at home, Jane didn't even make her own bed, I don't think, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought up about – you said about Craig and Shona holding their own and Katie, of course, in, in the current day. As I'm sure you're aware, we're we're coming up well, – an All-Star season has already been filmed. It will be aired in early 2020 in Australian Survivor. Um, only the Channel 10 players were were put into that All-Star. So, obviously, Season 1 and Season 2, the celebrities, there's no players from that season – I, for one, and this is something that me, me and Ben totally agree on, is we think Katie Gold's, if not one of the greatest players of all time, definitely probably one of the the best female player of all time. She's still you know relative relatively young in her forties. Do you think she should have been considered for an All Stars or or and and maybe Craig as well? Look, in in
0: the ideal world, absolutely. Um, in the ideal world where you don't have competing networks putting programs to air. Yes, for sure, of course, but. No, you know, one network is not going to be about to take someone from another network and put them into their show, which, which is in, you know, in some small way uh, promotes the other network. You know, if you have to say that she appeared on channel nine in the side by, you know, somewhere along the line, that's going to, and even by numbering them differently and, you know, saying that ours was season, was season one and theirs, they'd start till season uh, three or whatever. Well, in, again, you're you're sort of inadvertently promoting another network, and it's just the commercial networks are just too, you know, market orientated to um, to even think along those lines. I know it's it's crazy because when you're talking about survivor, you talk about people who actually do go through an enormous amount of physical uh, difficulty and challenge uh, to it's not just being on TV. They are doing something pretty spectacular, so you would think that, yeah, you would want the best players ever to be competing in the All-Stars Challenge, but I doubt that's ever going to happen. It's unique
1: in Australian television because Survivor was really one of the first to have that happen because we'll talk about the Channel 7 version in a minute before we get to the Channel 10 one, of course, and and now, of course, it holds a unique distinction of having aired on all three commercial networks. We're about to get that with Big Brother, in 2020 with now channel seven picking that up and even with the amazing race now channel 10 have picked that up and we're, we're seeing channel 10 sort of towing a similar line with the amazing race, not referencing the channel seven versions, which is even more interesting to say, considering that on the most recent season of Australian survivor in 2019, you had a contestant from amazing race channel seven season one. So it's kind of there, they're mucking up their own continuity here, but out of like, Big Brother, though, when Channel 9 had Big Brother, they still referred to the history of the show. Different fan bases, you could argue, of course, and Big Brother lasted a lot longer on Australian TV than Australian Survivor did by the time Channel 10 got it. But, I mean, it, it does seem interesting that it may be, do you think it's a network-by-network network thing that Channel 9 acknowledged the Channel 10 history, Channel 7 probably will too, or does that just come down to fan bases and production crews that are involved with the shows, do you think?
0: Uh, I, I think I think it wouldn't even occur to um, certain people Channel Ten to acknowledge the Channel Ten version was made 17 years ago. The um, uh, Channel Nine version for Survivors. I, I just don't think it enters their head that that if you're making a show, it, you know, you're making it. It's never been done before. It's you, you and because I think there's been such a, a gap in time between when we were there, um, it's it's a little harder to. To compare, I mean, I I think it, it because the game has changed so much, it's it's almost difficult to it's like oranges, not apples. You can't really compare the two. It's look, it's an interesting question. I, I think I think in terms of Big Brother, and yeah, you know, and the show's history should be considered as well as you know, Survivor. It's of the, the same thing that, that the show does have a history. Yeah, uh, you know, it would be much more of an argument I think if we had had two or three series seasons rather than just the one um it's easy to write this one off as a as a bit of a blip and uh, an aberration and just start from the the real one if you like um which is what channel 10 considers theirs i'm I'm sure
1: did did it surprise you then four years after your season that uh channel 7 took up the option to do a celebrity version and a lot of people say that it it was better than the channel 9 version because it improved a lot but it, it in itself still had its own fair share of problems as well
0: well, I thought it was interesting that they made it a celebrity one. Um, you know, I I, I for that reason it didn't interest me so much. Um, because if they had to start off just doing Survivor, yeah, sure, I think. Um but once you say you know, label something as celebrity, it kind of well, to me it doesn't seem like the real version. And and that's why I think I, I'm I'm surprised that Channel 10, Ten very quickly moved to um, you know, contenders and champions and um for me, I I prefer. I, I mean, I do really like just the the ordinary Australian ones, the the ordinary folk doing this stuff, and I think they're they're sometimes much more interesting than uh, watching celebrities do the stuff that you know you kind of expect them to be on TV and doing special stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, that that aside, yeah, with sevens, I don't know that. Yeah, I never personally. I I never counted it because it was a celebrity one, and they didn't have just the just the um the normal version to start with.
2: I'm not sure if you're aware, Lincoln. That the reason why they did a celebrity season is because it was a loophole. Channel 9, Channel 9 still held the rights to Survivor. Even though they hadn't done one in a few years, um, no other network could do it. But Channel 7 found a loophole to say, well, celebrity Survivor, was it was only 25 days, it was celebrity, it was for charity. So it was actually a loophole that they were allowed to run a Survivor. That's why they weren't able to do a, a normal... 39-day Survivor?
0: Well, the strange thing I found right from the start with this thing was that Channel 9 didn't necessarily want to make Survivor, Australian Survivor. It was a contractual obligation because they showed this, the American version, that whatever network in whatever country showed the um, American version had to make a local version. I mean, I guess it was to spread the franchise in terms of um, Castaway, but... um, there was a hesitation from nine for a long time in doing a local version, and maybe they only even intended to make one because that's all they had to make to fulfill the, the contractual obligation. Um, but I don't know whether that still stands either, whether that's the what they're thinking you know what if well who who shows the the American one now?
1: Channel Australia. 9 still has it. Channel 9 still has a yeah, um, so- show it on Go, and yet uh, it's really weird in this grey area because Channel 9 still show it, but CBS own Channel 10 now, and they're producing the local version, and yet on right. Channel 10's 10 play you can subscribe and watch all the old US versions, so there's this just weird mix of Survivor and Australia basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's what I wondered about. I thought um, the contractor must have moved to Channel 10, and that's why they, could, they were making the CBS Type version, but do they do they associate with Channel, with CBS when they make their version, or is it do they consult it's, with it's them? It's produced
1: well, not really, because it's produced by Endemol Shine. They're they're the ones who kind of mm. produce Australian Survivor now, so not particularly. And I, I sort of know in talking to Charlie Parsons and in asking that question and sort of what brought about Channel Ten picking up the rights, and he sort of alluded to the fact that. You know, there was interest shown by Nine at some point this decade of possibly reviving Australian Survivor because they held on to the rights for so long. So there was kind of whispers going around and I, uh, years and years ago, probably around about Lincoln when we first had you on our other show, Survivor Oz, was... I had Charlie Parsons on the show, and that was a few years before Australian Survivor was revived and he had said in that interview that he was still very keen for Australia to have their own version again. so it's kind of an a, an idea that has always just been around um, since two thousand and two in one form or another and, and now it's it's been successful clearly
0: yeah I, i'm a big I've been in television for quite a while, and I'm a big believer in any any program if you give it time you know, to develop and and evolve, it can be a success. I mean, Channel 10 is the the, the champion of that. I mean, the project started off as a completely different show um, and by sticking with it, by just letting it have its rest, it, you know, not axing it after a week as, um, you know, Channel 9 and 7 tend to do at times, um, uh, it, they will find an audience and find a very, very loyal audience. Most shows will because given time on air is what, makes a good show. I mean, you know, you're not going to be straight out of the blocks, you know, blockbuster. But um, I think, you know, if if it was given time, I think it could still be an existing show on Channel 9 right now. I mean, the one in America is still going strong. And I, I read an interesting preview um, article from one journalist, a TV commentator, saying that he thought back then, when we were making ours, that Survivor had had its day. <laughs> so... You know that 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 brand of nasty television where people were nasty to drive was gone and um and the survivors just retire gracefully but um there you go i mean they're still making a, making 40th season in in a, in a, and and I don't see any reason why australia can't have its own version because survivor fans are very very loyal
1: which well one thing I want to quickly. Uh, something we want to try to do with the channel 7 version but just on that topic i think one thing that's really helped channel 10's version survive and and yeah i think you're absolutely right channel 10 are a much more um experimental network they don't give up as easily as 7 and 10 do but one thing that has definitely kept channel 10's version alive is social media as well as their knowledge that there is an international fan base because they you know, love the fact that particularly in the U S there is a huge fan base for Australian survivor. And a lot of American fans often say the Australian version has now eclipsed the U S version. But do you think going back to my point where I said like social media existed, there would have been a lot more ribbing, no doubt of your show public ribbing of, of the season. But on the flip side of that, do you also think that could have helped it survive that you talk about those loyal fans of survivor and you were getting that commentary that maybe that could have helped elevate the show?
0: For sure for sure I think I think any show these days uh benefits from a social media presence and and survivor is the type of show that that benefits most from that kind of that kind of um, audience um they are the kind of fans who want to give their feedback who want to sort of talk about everybody who's, who's done what to who and and it, it it just lends itself to all of that I think uh, social media would have helped a fans relate better to the show and the shows relate better to the fans and and be able to meet their expectations better, um, you know. And I think it would have uh, galvanised a lot of people about, after that first episode went to air that maybe we need to re-gear things here a bit because these people aren't happy. Um, that that instant sort of feedback is, it can be savage, but it can also be very vital in the development of a show. And I think, I, I read something the other day that Netflix very rarely makes less than three seasons of, of any show because even if it doesn't or doesn't uh, doesn't work the first time around, and I'm watching Castle Rock at the moment, and the second scene of that is so much better than the first one. It's, it's everything that those series was not. For fans of Stephen King and Castle Rock and all those things, they've obviously listened to what people said, have taken it on board, and changed to see the show um, appropriately. And I think that that's a big thing in any television these days. Um, I think, you know, Breaking Bad became a hit because of Netflix and because of the feedback and, and online sort of uh, um, our participation. So I, I definitely, for whatever, you know, good or bad, it would have been a, a much different um, uh, thing to make Survivor, the first Survivor, when social media was something that he had to take into account.
1: And it's also, too, you you touch on Netflix and and Matt alluded to this a little bit last week, which is an important thing to realise as well, the context of when we were in television in 2002. We didn't have catch-up services. We didn't have, like, 10-play. Like, if you miss uh, an episode of Survivor, you can watch it the next morning, whereas you miss an episode of 2002 Survivor uh, and you didn't tape it on VHS, you're kind of screwed.
0: That's exactly right. I I think think that is a huge thing for, for programs like Survivor where, People do give up halfway through a season if they miss two two episodes in a row because there's so much that's happened in those two episodes and they lost who's who and who who did what to who and they and they would abandon the thing halfway through. And I think that happened partly to us, but 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 to even American Survivor must have had the same thing where it's much easier these days to catch up and, and you can be right up to date going into the next episode it makes a huge difference. I mean, people watch whole whole seasons just to see the finale <laughs> you know, Game of Thrones. So, you know. It's made a difference to the way we watch television, and it must make a difference to the way we make television.
2: You mentioned before that you were sort of surprised that Channel Ten was so quick to go to the champions versus contenders, and I was on I was on the very first champions versus versus contenders on two thousand eighteen. But it's funny because even JLP has come out um, publicly and said that the season before that in two thousand seventeen, which was just a, a a straight normal no celebrities on it. It was it. It's considered one of the best seasons of Australian Survivor all time, but it didn't rate that great. Um, which since they've moved to the the champions versus contenders, where they've had these celebrities with who have big social media followings, you know, Instagram. They might have half a million followers or a couple of hundred thousand followers, and they help promote the show. The numbers have gone up, you know, and obviously. Yeah, that's something that now that they a, show, a network can use that to promote a show.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, John, you know, they would be picking their celebrities by the number of followers they have on, on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and all that stuff. That's, that's what in the States has become your currency in terms of being a personality or, or a celebrity is how many followers you've got um, and how many you can bring in to whatever project you're working on. So that's obviously I can see, yeah. I'm probably see I'm probably wrong in saying that they shouldn't go to these things and they probably made the right decision in doing so uh because that's obviously going to bring them viewers that they wouldn't have had otherwise you know people who follow that person in particular are going to follow them onto that program and uh, I think you're right I think that's the way um the way things are going it's not although we might like to watch See, I, I think the big thing about any local survivor is watching your own people do what this show does to them and seeing how they react. And I think that was the big uh, hope with, um, with our program in the beginning was how will Australians play Survivor? Um, and uh, personally, I just like to see uh, you know, ordinary people doing it. You know, but from a commercial point of view, certainly, um, you know, that's why we've got the celebrities there.
1: Well, I just want to point out that um, basing on the social media presence, um, Jonathan Apalia at the time of recording this, has 28.2 thousand followers on Instagram. You have 206, Lincoln, so <laughs> I, I think we need to kind of change that. I feel people listening to this need to follow you on Instagram to uh, help you catch up to JLP
0: uh so you you're dragging me out of com- comfortable obscurity here you <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking
0: for a huge social presence i'm not, not looking for uh any kind of presence really but uh look um people are certainly willing to follow me on instagram um it's uh, I don't post much interesting, nothing much about survival, but it will be from now on um for you guys <laughs>
1: good we hope so yes, which i I think it's funny too because um I mean, I mentioned the channel seven version. You talk about the phrases that you you could and couldn't say and things like that in your version. Of course, Channel 7's version, hosted by Ian Dicko Dixon, arguably, like, you talk about the obscurity sort of level of you being put in in that first season, and even you would argue JLP was kind of a bit of a left-field choice. Dicko is arguably the biggest name that was straight away, like, boom, because, I mean, Dicko was in peak Dicko in 2006. You've got to love the, the unique stamp he had in challenges where instead of a, a survivor's ready go, he basically had his phrase of play hard, play fair and play to win. Now, I was really, really hoping, Lincoln, that you could give us a best deco because I think if we get you and we get JLP to do this one day, I think this just creates a complete picture of survivor hosts in Australia. So can you give us your best deco with a play hard, play fair and play to win? Oh,
0: I'll give you a guess. Play, play hard, play fair,
1: and play, play... No no survivors ready? Oh, uh, I, I think he just kind of went afterwards. It was kind of his play hard, play fair, and play to win. Survivors ready, go, or something like that, <laughs> oh, yes.
0: God. I can't do you go, actually. But play hard, play fair, and play to win. I <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. <laughs> there uh, we go. It's funny, it's funny, i um, uh, it's funny to say that when you have all these different, you know, survival phrases, and I, and I felt really strange the first few times saying the tribe has spoken, you know, it's time to go. But when you're there and when they're into it and when they're into it, you can't help but be drawn. You know, there's all this emotion about it, and, they, and it's real emotion. And they are, you know, there's people standing there with tears in their eyes as you're stuffing out their flame. And you, the words do make sense when you say them. It's really strange. You, I you know, felt odd and... Felt like was, you were know, pretending at first, but uh, you, when you, by the time you've done it a few times, you get and you've followed their stories and you know what it means to them. You can't help but be caught up in it, and you you, know, you find yourself saying those things and many of them.
2: When the show was over, did were you lucky enough to get some memorabilia from the show? Ah, oh, I've got my, I've got my,
0: my, my piece of timber from Rob, which um, Rob and yeah the Tapia tribe used to carve little things in driftwood and uh and he did he, he wrote for me The tribe has spoken. He 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 carved that into a piece of a plank that had washed up on shore and he put Lincoln as a as a quote. And um yeah, at the time it was it was it was it meant quite a bit because he, he ended up winning and I thought, well that's a good sort of idiot. And then poor old Rob got killed in a car accident shortly after. And um so yeah, I mean I do display that. I do keep that out and uh, it's it does mean something. It means a lot. I mean he's he was a really nice bloke Rob.
2: Really is right. that the one where because he he famously says in in one of the episodes that he i think it is the finale and he says that um if he's going to get voted out he he wanted you he was going to hand you it and get you to show it is it is that the piece that you have yeah
0: yeah well, he, he never got shown on air um but but um but no he and he he did I mean, look he did it to pass the time more than anything but um just that he'd taken the time and the bother to do that and do it for me, and I think he made um, a few for a couple other producers that he liked, but he he, he was a genuine kind of guy, and, and I'm glad I have that now. I mean, that's, I, you know, I don't keep much. I don't get much from the show at all. I've got a big box of stuff that I've been looking to just recently for this, but um, I didn't keep, um, you know, I've got a couple of buffs, um, one signed by all the survivors, but I'm not a big souvenir keeper because it just piles around. And uh, gathers dust, but the that in particular was something that I um, I'm really glad I've got now. Um, certainly meant a lot. Um, lot and I think it was, it was only a year or so, or a couple of years after he won the show that he went. He was in South Africa and um, he was killed um, along with one of his sons. Two thousand nine, two thousand
1: nine, and both his sons, yeah, tragically died oh, in that oh, accident. Ter-
2: so terrible. yeah, tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you, so are you aware that also? Um, Tim um passed away in two thousand and sixteen as well. I heard that
0: yeah what was what did did um was it an illness or a heart attack or something
1: I don't think we've had anything confirmed. We'd sort of had it passed on. Lance had kind of broken that news on an on an episode a few years back, uh unfortunately, so yeah we're, I don't even think he's really aware of it. He just kind of heard it through, so. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned the Survivor curse, kind of. I, I believe we talked about that several years ago on Survivor Oz, which kind of followed because obviously we 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 know what happened with Joel as well. So it was mm. kind of, it it just yeah, a few kind of things with the cast uh, just hadn't exactly uh, gone well. for, yeah. for a bit. Well, I,
0: mean, I, th- I think I mean, over time, I guess in in seventeen years, a group of people, there's you know, some things will happen to each of them, and as people get older, but but Rob especially, and and Joel's. Joel's, um, you know, uh, life path after um, Survivor certainly shocked everybody um, where he um, attempted to kill his girlfriend um, and quite savagely attempted to kill his girlfriend. Um, and given that the kind of rigorous psych you know, tests that they give people on Survivor, I mean, Joel was always out there, but nobody would have suspected that he had that kind of streak in him and certainly would have got on, on the show if people had any idea. But, um, yeah, look, it's a... It's a it's a strange thing because you're you're together and you're thrown together in this very, very, very intense environment for a very short space of time, really. But you do feel like you know these people because you watch them and, and you you watch them at their very, very uh most vulnerable, you kind of feel like you see things that you perhaps shouldn't be seeing, or more more intimate moments of them. And so when you know, when something like that happens, when you when you know Bob goes from the the high of winning a half million dollars and appearing on national television, you know, as the winner of Survivor and then goes and and dies in in such tragic circumstances with his sons. It, it I don't know, it, it, it it's weird how it affects you when you don't really know that person. You don't I've I've had this in other productions where I've worked on where you kind of get to know them through the screen more than more than you do face to face. But it's almost you know them better that way, um, mm. and it's. Um, I think that that sort of that sort of tragedy kind of affects you more if you if you've got to know them in that way.
1: Was there many many of the cast or crew that you you kept in touch with? Are there still anybody seventeen years later that you still do keep in touch with?
0: Um, not really. I mean, I, I hear things over time uh, how things are gone. I mean, I know. Um, Craig married one of the production assistants, Prue, um, but I think that ended in divorce. Um, uh, and I haven't heard more about that. Um, but like I say, Stephen made it quite clear that I was, wasn't having have any contact with them. And, and there was only a couple of times after with reunions and uh, at various times where there was never a time where I got to sort of sit down and have a drink and party with them at all. It was all sure,
2: very- Surely there was an after party at the finale because I know – I've been to an after-party, my own, and it was a big one. So surely there must have been something.
0: Uh, there was a big, big party um, at the end for production crew, but I don't think, think we trusted the contestants to be, to, to be there. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I, I really, there was not, a time, I think there was a couple of times where we, where we signed buffs and stuff um, where we all hung around for a bit, but no, never a time when I got on the grog with, um, with Rob and Craig and, you know, talked about old times never um which is not unfortunate really but I, i'd love to in some sense i heard you talking on the first episode of the podcast about a reunion for the 20 years i mean that could
1: be that it's in the plan, it's in the pipes. We're, we're tracking down a few, so we, we'd love to get as many as, as we could. And I was actually hoping you're going to say that. at least that after party was Ben Dark there because, again, we're, we're trying to find him. Like, we don't, we, you know, is he, is he, we think has gone missing after that, that god awful edition what, what, special.
0: Not sure. Um, no, um, yeah, look, I, I, I'd i be in it, I'd be in it for sure. I, I. I'd like to um catch up with some of those guys and I think it would just be frightening to see how much we've all aged since <laughs> since 2002. Jesus.
1: Was there some people from the uh 2002 version that are, that are now working on the Channel 10 version? Um there's
0: certainly crew that have um one of the one of the cameraman one of the very good cameramen, who um he was the guy who jumped in the water with that whale when it was um swimming around the water um uh, Matt Bronger, he's he's does a lot of stuff. He does some stuff at the block and um uh, uh Selling House Australia. a very good cameraman. He he's on the new one. And I know a couple of producers are working on the new one. And like I say, they, they say it's a really good team over there. They're really they're really powering. Um and I think once you get into a rhythm like that, that's when, you know and, and because they're if they're going to the same sort of places each time, you you kind of, you know. Yet you crew together again, and it all it all just happens. So, um, more power to them. I, I, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm loving the, the success that they're having with Survivor, and and it really is good to see that uh, it can be a success in Australia. And, and we didn't kill off the uh, franchise.
1: Would would you like it though that they're not necessarily from Channel Ten, but just somehow some acknowledgement of of what your season at least attempted, and that there was that foundation. To, set, to show that an Australian version can be attempted and while it may not have turned out how many people expected, that at least there was that attempt and potentially today we couldn't be where we were at, at least if somebody gave it a crack like you guys did in 2002?
0: Well, I think that's what you guys are doing. Um, I'm I appreciate it a great deal that you guys are acknowledging that this wasn't just this... Tainted failure that everyone has kind of wiped it off as being, and uh, there was it, it not only had some redeeming moments, but had some some classic survivor moments, and and set up for you know set up the strains of either for the future, and and yeah, okay, they, that future came quite much later on, but but yeah, I think you guys are doing that. I'm really I'm glad that you are, and someone is, and and that um, for what those people went through, and for what they did, and what they achieved, yeah, you know, their their achievement should be acknowledged. And I, I I think. I think they were one of the, one of the hardiest bunch of um, survivors that have ever appeared on TV.
2: Casting is currently open for a season next year. Channel Ten, the one after All Stars, would you consider p- putting in as a contestant? Oh, yeah, I, I would.
0: I, I don't I don't think that would give them much promotional opportunity. Um, it might not fit with the, to have the. Ex-host of Survivor on Channel Nine, on Channel Ten program again. I don't know. if that well, they've forgotten suggest-
1: about you, remember, Link, and they don't want to well, that's, acknowledge that's, that's, it. I'll so this is the thing: right. we've already told Katie to apply; they wouldn't even remember. Her. <laughs> so, like, she's going to get on anyway. So you you could be playing with Katie Gold. You could form it a power couple, and boom! What a oh, final two! We'd win. We'd so win. <laughs> see, see, I I I have to
2: disagree. I think it would be a talking point because I mean they're always looking for little twists and things that they can promote. Um, yeah, especially, p- especially prior to the game airing, like the whole lead up, they, they're all about promoting the show, and they, they like those little twists and a, a talking point. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know any other any other host that has ever come back and actually played. Ben, I don't know, maybe. I in don't another- think anyone
1: has. I mean, no, this this is so- a question Jeff Probst got asked every year, basically, how he would do, and yeah. yeah.
2: I just, I just think personally, it would be a perfect opportunity to say, "Hey, <laughs> let's put this guy in." You know, let's see if anyone even, if any of the the current, like the people playing, even recognise him or know that, hey, this guy was a host of a of a Survivor oh, yes, back that, in two
0: thousand and two. Yeah, you gotta give a bit of a storyline. Yeah, am I going to tell anyone that I was? On that, that's right.
2: <laughs> I, I well, I hope you you do put an audition
0: tape in and. Um, I, I, I might do that. I might do that. There's, there's potential for great humiliation there, but uh, <laughs> we
2: don't
1: see how... you, you, you we'll see. You can't be worse than me. You could school <laughs> them. You could school them, Lincoln, at how it should be played. And finally, after all these years, 2002 Australian Survivor gets some bloody recognition.
2: right. <laughs> sure. The old man of Survivor. I'll play. Yeah. I'd love to see you play. I definitely would love to see you play. And I really hope you do. You do
1: put in uh, an audition tape.
0: Well, you've planted a seed. You've planted a seed. Oh, here, oh, here we gonna...
1: go. We're, we're responsible <laughs> for this. And i tell you what, Lincoln, if, I, if I'm on that season, if I finally get bloody cast, then, uh, mate, I'll, I'll team up with you. You, me, and Katie. Boom.
0: Yeah, uh, the alliance, alliance from hell. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, obviously, post-Survivor, though, you, you mentioned about sort of going back to your day job. It was a it was a part of you wanting to do that. That was kind of your summer job. Go back into 60 Minutes. But, I mean, you've also had some great success outside of, of 60 Minutes. I mean, some of the highlights post-Survivor, uh, I mean, go back to where you came from, was a huge success that you were involved in, of course. Um, plenty of highlights along the way. Still working hard in television and, and production as well, I take it?
0: Yeah, I I look. I'm I'm easing back a bit these days, but um, yeah, I I did Struggle Street, um, that was season two, um, which was, which was great. I mean, I've I've had a chance to do some very, um, I guess, considered television, and um, and I'm in a little bit of a position now where I do sort of pick and choose what I do. Um, um, I I don't. I'm not looking for a full time gig, but I'm looking for sort of. um, um, I I, I try try to pick. I'm I'm basically a, a at heart. I'm a crime reporter, so I'm working at the moment on a, on a crime show. But, um, yeah, it's um, I'm not travelling as much as I used to. So I go to America every year. Um, and, like, there's there's not been, as, as I say, there's not been any other opportunities for hosting gigs or anything like that. So not the not sort of thing I'm looking for. Um, it's been an interesting career, though. I mean, I figure, you know, I, I can sort of take it a bit easy now. But now you've, now you've sort of got me... Thinking, I should be in training for you know my my, my I want to
2: see it. I want to see it. The I want is you. to. Appetite. I, I serious. I seriously want you to make history. I just think that is a promotion gold. I honestly don't see how they could say no. I
0: see, yeah, I can see that. Is that there is some promotion in it for them? Maybe a paragraph here or there. But anyway, I like I I, I am looking for something that there's some yeah. Some new challenge
1: before uh,
0: before I go to full retirement. So you yeah, know, we'll see. We'll see. Well, this is the I'll thing too. When link. you get
1: if you if you get voted out, which you won't because you win, but like you know, JLP can get there and do the whole like you know Lincoln the driver spoken. You're like ah 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 ah. That's not how you say it. Let's try that again, JLP. <laughs> <Give me> that.
2: <laughs> and if you get voted out first, like I did, you just blame it on the curse of season one. Yes. <laughs> Sure. That, that, that's what I'm blaming it for because because I did apply for your season. I'm I'm gonna join uh, on in that place It's the curse of season one.
1: <laughs> well, we're recovering <laughs> <laughs> all these things. Oh, perfect, perfect. I, 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 I'm with Matt I think this would be uh, A fantastic A fantastic Full circle story uh, Lincoln Howells Competing On Survivor Lincoln This has been A lot of fun mate It really really has And we definitely yeah. Appreciate you uh, Giving giving us your time And, and chatting about this Because I, I know there's So many things To talk about With this And, and so many things That we're, we're so interested In covering Across the coming weeks With your season In particular And a really great Trip down memory lane For everyone Listening and involved In this recording right now to, to kind of go over some of these things which i'm sure as i said at the beginning you probably didn't think you would be talking about nearly uh 20 years later
0: absolutely not <laughs> no it's it's actually good to actually talk to people about it again because um i think it did get kind of a, a bit of a short shift at the end and so you know a bit of acknowledgement for the show and and um and just talking about it again is, is good fun because it was um it was a big thing in, in um in all our lives right? and uh I hope it um it at least for for some fans as well. So thank you guys for um for the for the opportunity.
2: It's been a pleasure, Lincoln. You brought back so many good memories as a as a fan and a viewer myself, the, just chatting to you hearing all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, it makes me want to watch the whole thing again. <laughs> Don't get carried away.
1: <laughs> Such a great time there, Matt, to be able to to bring the first interview three episodes in. Uh, we we alluded to this a little bit last week about how excited we were to kind of really hit the uh, hit the ground running with this. And I mean, what an insight! What an absolute incredible insight that is to get the host of the very first season here to uh, to really give all those stories that he just told us.
2: It's exactly what. Uh,
1: you know, we had in mind
2: when we put this podcast together and to hear the, the backstories and, you know, especially from a host. I mean, this is the host of season one and to, to hear all the stories and his opinions on it is is exactly what our podcast is all about. And, and I just hope we get, to, you know, a lot
1: more interviews like this. Well, we we know we've at least got another one coming for you in about a fortnight's time, which we're very very excited for, and uh, we'll won't tell you who it is with yet. But of course, we will uh, talk a little bit about that on next week's episode. And next week we're we're getting into it now. We're, we've done two previews and an interview essentially, and and now we're we're into the meat and the the bones and the veggies and everything of what we're here to do let's recap some of these episodes individually. We're going to get right into the very first episode of Season 1, 2002, Australian Survivor. And sadly, I'll say this is the one that is not available, unfortunately, on the official Survivor channel. So uh, we can't help you legally to obtain this episode unless by the time uh, we release this, they have uploaded it. So uh, this is going to be maybe the tricky one for our listeners to kind of watch along with us. But... As Lincoln kind of alluded to there, you know, issues around the, the challenge and everything, the infamous uh, moment there, the infamous moment of Lucinda voting herself and everything along those lines. But I, I'm really hoping and I'm, I am know we will be able to get into the the real cracks of sort of the stories and kind of, you know, iron out some myths around this because, yeah, we had some issues. Yeah, it wasn't the perfect start for Australian Survivor. But there's also some stories around what happened, particularly around the Lucinda vote. So I, I'm I'm very intrigued and excited to be able to get into a, a, an episode recap, really start to to sell this out there, and kind of get this hopefully new appreciation and understanding for for Australian Survivor from the very beginning.
2: Yeah, this episode's it's a, it's a part of history, and not necessarily always for the. For the right reasons but you know there are a lot of things that happen in there that you you wouldn't see happen today and um there's some good things and there's some some definitely some bad things but it it is a part of survivor history and, and i urge everyone to you know if they can to to watch it and and
1: join us uh you know in recapping this episode and as always, in between now and, and next week, we, any feedback, we love hearing from you. Uh, of course, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. As always, if you've got anything from season one, season two, any of the seasons, even the Channel 10 seasons, if you've got some TV weeks or articles from you know, 2016, 2017, we, we, we'd love to see them because we, we're trying to compile this history along the way of Australian Survivor and showcase that through our social media. So Easiest way to do that. Facebook, obviously, um, send us through to us on that. We do have an email address, Australian Survivor Archives at hotmail.com, where you can also just send in comments and questions that you may have and we'll, we'll get to them as we, we go along. We are, we are planning to do a, a listener feedback episode at some point to really address some of these things if you'd rather wait to then. But we, we want to be open and, and, and out there as possible to, to kind of interact along the way because we're, we're trying to we're trying to document that history. This is what we're doing here, Matt. We're we're getting that archives and uh, opening it up, learning from Lincoln, learning from others, and gradually uh, trying to tell the complete story that he's an Australian survivor.
2: Yeah, I'm real. I'm really excited to start recapping these episodes and 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 go through them in detail and and talk about um, you know the good and the bad and and do interviews along the way and find out stories that that you know we we know nothing about and. And I think hopefully, you know by the end of this there'll be that new appreciation and for what the season was and and for when the time the time it you know was was shot. and um hopefully we get some some new watches to the season as well. that have never you know maybe heard bad things about it, but never actually taken the time to watch it and
1: you know I hope maybe by the end of all this uh, there's a new appreciation for it, and even along the way, we might find Ben Dark and we can possibly turn this into you know you know half survivor talk half true crime because that's where all the money is in podcasting now, Matt. it's in the true crime genre, so hell we can start the spin off of where the fuck is Ben Dark <laughs> we need ben dark on here i think we gotta get him on we this is a goal this is a, this is it we've set ourselves three episodes in that like you know some people aim so high like i mean i've been doing survivor podcasting since 2011 i've never interviewed jeff Propes. like that is the, the the peak mountain colleen haskell like these are the goals you want for us it's ben freaking dark right du- <laughs> we know you're out ben there dark. ben We know you're out there. We want you on this show. We will do the exclusive hour-long interview with Ben Dark talking about filming Australian Survivor audition special and his devastation at missing out on the hosting role of Australian Survivor.
2: Fuck! I'll I'll even swing from a bloody rope like he did in the audition special, like Tarzan. I'll even recreate that if we can get him on. How
1: many likes do we need, Matt? We're we're a- whoring ourselves out for likes on this show. You're waiting to get a thousand to get our bloody audition tape for you out. I got naked for a 500 likes on Facebook, and Matt will swing on a bloody vine. <laughs> All right, deal,
2: deal. we get Ben Darkin dark on. We'll uh I'll swing from a vine. I'll recreate
1: his his uh his episode. We really we really need to watch our mouths here, but bloody oath, mate, um, I want to see this loincloth and all. I hope uh- <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. You're the bloodhound on this show, Matt. You're the one who's going to sniff out the Ben Dark, all right? So, uh, you know, we we want weekly updates of where Ben Dark is and in exact locations. I'll, I'll get Katrina Roundtree on this show. I will I will grill Katrina Roundtree. She's still on getaway. I'm sure she knows where he is. A lot of fun. As I said, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, Instagram, and we joke about pouring ourselves out for likes, but remember our goal, 1,000 likes, and we will see Matt Dyson's original 2002 audition tape. Now also 500 likes, we will see Matt Dyson swing on a vine and be all Tarzan to help us find Ben Dark. So all of that and more. Hit us up on our podcast channels, iTunes, Spotify. Leave us some feedback and let us know what you're thinking of the show and once again a massive thanks to lincoln house for his time on this show a lot of fun hearing from him and getting a real insight into australian survivor 2002 my name is ben and give me me boat back (laughs) great episode
0: Give him a boat back. Play hard, play fair, and play to win.